What's up, Upper Room family? Thank you for tuning in to this week's installment of our podcast. I just want to take a second to thank all of our listeners, how you guys have been faithfully listening day in, day out to our weekend messages. We want you to know that we love you and that we hope that these messages continue to bless you just like they've blessed us in-house. Man, we are so grateful for you guys. That being said, this weekend, this past weekend, Michael Miller taught on the baptism in the Holy Spirit and goes into further depth on Ephesians 1.17 on how we are needing to be dependent on the Spirit to know more of Jesus and how receiving more of Jesus, we receive more of the Holy Spirit and how we receive more of the Holy Spirit, we receive more of Jesus and the freedom and the power that comes with that. So we hope this message encourages you as you listen. We believe that the Spirit will come upon you guys. So we love you. Grab someone's hand. We just grab a hand next to you. Grab a hand. You can sit down, but just grab a hand. I want to pray for us. Um, Holy Spirit, we do welcome you. We honor you, and we declare all your ways are perfect, and we want to know you, Holy Spirit. We want to know um, you as a person. We want to know your purposes. Um, it was a high price that was paid that we could be your temples. Uh, you live in us. You are with us. And uh, you're the helper, and you're going to do that this morning. So, Holy Spirit, come, and uh, would you encounter hearts in a fresh way? Would you uh, reveal Jesus today? Uh, would people encounter um, their Savior, their Lord, their Messiah, uh, their High Priest, their, um, their God? So we love you, Jesus. Would you just say, Lord, I'm, I'm available Come and encounter my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You can be seated. Amen and amen. Um, well, welcome to the upper room. We're glad you're here. Wasn't that a refreshing just time of worship? Thank you, Joel and team. Can y'all give it up for Joel and the guys? They just, such a, such a powerful uh, time of worship. Don't take for granted just those guys and what they labor for and what we get to enter into because of uh, their intimacy with Jesus. We have a special birthday. It is Christy Lewis's birthday today. <laughs> Happy birthday. What's up? Just so grateful for uh, Peter and Christy. Hasn't Peter just been such a blessing the last couple of weeks? His teaching. Um, I've had several people tell me they've had to re-listen to uh, last week's message. Just, it was washing them. And uh, I am just so grateful for his teaching ministry and all the Braveheart crew and what they're doing here. Um, we are also in the process of acquiring, getting into a new building. Um, it is beautiful. It is 1910 Wall Street. Uh, we would ask the body here to continue to pray. Uh, we are still facing... Um, a need for finances. And, uh, and so we just need your prayers and consideration here at the end of the year. Don't forget about that building project. Um, God is building a house. We need more space and we have it. And we know that he's led us to that property. And I know that he is Jehovah Jireh. He is going to provide all that we need. He's never early. He's never late. He's right on time. And uh, we are walking in faith that, uh, that, that Jesus is going to provide uh, for us in that. And so I just want to put that before you, that you would pray for our leadership. You would pray uh, just for those uh, 
provisions. We have this end of year event coming. We're gonna invite our online world to sow into this uh, project that I really, I really feel like God's building a house for the nations here in Dallas. Uh, I think this neighborhood that we're moving into is very strategic with what's happening in the city. Uh, over the next coming 10, 20 years, uh, I think we are being positioned very sovereignly to serve our city. And uh, I am full of faith for his leadership and where he's taking us, but we do need a miracle uh, financially. I just wanna tell you that. Um, we yeah. talked about it in August, but that need is still before us. If you're praying, six million is the number. Everyone say six million. Six million. So we are believing for uh, that and soon. Uh, our God owns a cattle on a thousand hills, amen. And so I know that's nothing for him, but uh, man, amen. It's come Jesus. Uh, hey, today I, I, wanna, I wanna kinda piggyback on what Peter's been talking about. Uh, as I was listening to him last week, um, I am aware of a topic that transformed my life personally and a number of those that I walk with. And it was an encounter that I had with the Holy Spirit. I was recently talking to someone who grew up in the tradition that uh, I grew up in, and they said, what, what is different about your faith? What is different now about your, uh, your pursuit of Jesus in light of where you grew up? And the only thing I could point to was an encounter that I had with the Holy Spirit. It was an experience, and, and it was explained to me after I had this encounter. Uh, sometimes encounters happen first, and then they're explained. Sometimes they're explained, and then they're encountered. And so I'm going to attempt to explain this morning uh, what happened to me and has happened to so many others. Uh, but this topic can uh, come with some baggage. How many of you know if you've been around church for any amount of time, you can pick up some baggage? And uh, this phrase has baggage for some of you, and uh, it certainly did for me. The first time I heard this phrase, I was in a, a meeting that was a, it was a different context than what I'd grown up in, and this guy came up to me, and um, he looked at me just with just intensity, and he said, can I ask you a question? And I said, sure. He goes, have you ever been baptized with fire? And I was like, I don't think so. <laughs> And he goes, do you want to be baptized in, with fire? And I was like, uh, not if I talk like that. You know, like, like not if it's going to make me sound and look like you. Like, it, it just wasn't, it, it just wasn't, I was like, no, thank you. Uh, I, I don't really want that. Um, and, but, but through the season that I was in, um, I was struggling with uh, some anxiety, some depression. I, I had brought some brokenness into my journey with the Lord. And, uh, and in desperation, I found myself in a context that I probably wouldn't have chosen. It wasn't a context that was familiar or one that I would prefer. But in my desperation, I was looking for him. I was looking for God. And how many of you know, God will sometimes package himself in ways that we would not choose or prefer. And he puts us in those environments. Oftentimes, he offends our mind to reveal our heart. And, and I, I have seen uh, numerous people around this topic uh, come with hesitations, reservations, sometimes baggage, and even wounded around this topic. But, but I, my, my hope and heart is to kind of maybe dismantle and, and make this as simple as I possibly can. Uh, as I was praying about, about this weekend and the coming weekends, I was actually tucking my daughter in, 
And uh, she mentioned uh, one of the scriptures that I had been meditating on out of Mark chapter one. And it's when John the Baptist is introducing Jesus. And John says, I baptize with water, but one is coming after me and he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And my daughter said that and she said, you know that this is in Mark, but it's also in Matthew. It's also in Luke. It's also in John. And daddy, I found it in Acts chapter 11. And I was like, it's not in Acts chapter 11. Like I was thinking, you found it? And she goes, yes, it is. And she showed me when Peter uh, had brought salvation to Cornelius' home, he quotes, he's quoting Jesus, but Jesus said in Acts chapter one, verse four through eight, that, hey, wait, I'm gonna send the promise. I'm gonna send the promise. And, uh, and I'm gonna clothe you with power. I'm gonna baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And so this morning, I wanna talk about baptism in the Holy Spirit. And... My, again, my hope is just to kind of demystify and use biblical terms. I want to uh, use words that the Bible uses around uh, this topic. And I want to focus on one word specifically, and it's baptism. Everyone say baptism. Now, over, over time, I've, I've started to view baptism through a lens that um, I view other words. And, uh, and so I'm going to start out by, by using these other words, and then we're going to get to baptism. But one of the words is, is, is God. God. When you hear the word God as a Christian, um, you think of one God. We have one God. But our one God is three persons. You have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So there's one God, but there's three persons in the Trinity. Amen? Um, I... I, I think of you as a person. You are one person, but something that was extremely helpful for me when I started understanding my design and makeup and even, even being born again, I had to understand my parts. I am one person, but I have three parts. You are one person, but you have three parts. You have a body, which is your shell. It's the flesh. You have a soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions, but you have a spirit as well. So even though you're one person, you have three parts. Uh, I, I, I view salvation this way. You hear the word salvation. I was saved. Well, salvation, you being saved is one dimension of your salvation. But a second dimension of your salvation is today, right now, do you know that you're being saved? You're being sanctified. So you've been justified. It's your position before the Lord. You're righteous. And that's being born of the spirit. But your soul is being sanctified. Today, you are being saved into what you were saved by. But there's coming a day when the skies will split and Jesus will return and we will be saved. And that's the glorification of the believer. So there's sanctification, justification, and glorification. So you hear the word salvation, but there's three dimensions to salvation. Well, I want to put this framework before you when we look at the term baptism. When we look at the term baptism. All of you are looking at me I want you to get out your phones and take some notes. Come and crack this open. You with me? So let's look at the word baptism. Uh, <clears throat> baptism, uh, I, I think there's, there's a threefold dimension to this word. Paul says in Ephesians chapter one that there's one baptism. And I do believe that there's one baptism, but I think three things can happen at one time. But I also know that these three things can happen at subsequent moments. So I'm gonna explain that to you. And my question to you this morning is, is do you need another baptism? That's a question I wanna to present to you. Based on this word baptism, do you need another 
baptism. Now, I talked about, I want to present to you baptism in the Holy Spirit. Uh, I, my encounter with the Holy Spirit in my early 20s, uh, my faith went from black and white to living color. Um, I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and the distinct mark on my life from that day moving forward was power. Uh, power to overcome sin, power uh, it was activated in the realm of gifts that the Holy Spirit put upon my life. And, uh, and then I would also say uh, power to overcome sin. There were some, some strongholds that were in my life. And after meeting the Holy Spirit, I was delivered from some of those strongholds. I emailed some friends this week and I said, hey, could you just tell me when you hear this phrase, baptism in the Holy Spirit, what do you think about? And all of these trusted friends, some of them were elders, some of them are on our staff, core team, all of them talked about an experience that they had had subsequently to salvation where they encountered the Holy Spirit and their, mark, their, their life was marked by power, like a distinct mark of power. Uh, three of the seven, three of the seven that I had, um, three of the seven that I had emailed all talked about a deliverance from pornography. All of them had grown up in the church, but there was this hunger and this thirst for more. And I hope to whet your appetite this morning. Jesus said, all who are thirsty, come to me. And what? Drink. And living waters will flow out of you. And so if you're thirsty today, you're in the right place. And I want to position you to take a deep drink of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that rivers are going to flow through you. Uh, this prayer is not just a one-time prayer that I pray uh, about Jesus baptize me in your spirit. I prayed it this morning. And so I want to I wanna show you uh, these three baptisms scripturally um, <clears throat> around this phrase, baptism in the Holy Spirit. Uh, two people have really marked my uh, life around this topic. One is Marcus Burkeen. Uh, Marcus and his family have been coming to the upper room. He was on staff at Gateway for a while. Uh, Robert Morris is another one uh, who's the senior pastor at Gateway, just has some phenomenal teachings on the Holy Spirit, but specifically baptism in the Holy Spirit. So this is how it was taught to me. I'm going to teach it to you. Uh, Derek Prince is another great resource. So uh, look up Derek Prince's stuff. He is um, with the Lord now, but a phenomenal teacher, specifically in the realm of the Spirit. But let me, let me just uh, share a little bit about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, uh, is God. He, God is a three-person God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was sent to us after Jesus ascended, was exalted, and seated at the right hand of his Father. Jesus said, I'm going to ask the Father, and the Father's going to send another. And he said, this other one that I'm sending is going to help you. And I've had a growing list. This is not the full list of ways the Holy Spirit helps us. But just look at these words these are verbs associated with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will guide, reveal, lead, empower, fill, teach, testify, produce, distribute, anoint, wash, renew, unify, free, seal, guarantee, quicken, dwell, speaks to, speaks through, transform, cries, grunts. Yes, he grunts. This is a type of prayer. He also grants. Grunts, grants, supplies, gives access to, strengthens, enables, confesses Jesus, moves, knows all things, casts out demons, remembers, appoints, and these are just to name a few. So um, we need the Holy Spirit this morning, amen? And we have the Holy Spirit this morning, amen? We have access to him because of the price that Jesus paid. 
we could be called temples of God. Let's look at the word baptism and what it means. Baptism defined as this. It's fully immersed. Everyone say fully. Fully immersed. So this is a full immersion. I always tell people in the realm of water baptism, if you were sprinkled as a baby and you're now an adult, you need to get fully immersed into water. Fully immersed into water. Um, So fully immersed by someone into something. Fully immersed by someone into something. Uh, Baptismo is the word that was used in the Greek and we actually made this word up from the Greek. We call it baptism. And the oldest use of it was taking a garment of clothing. It was a garment of clothing and you would fully immerse it into uh, a dye solution and that garment would change colors. It would completely be transformed as it was submerged or immersed into uh, that dye. So it was leaving it in long enough to be uh, transformed by it. Uh, another one of my favorite definitions is, um, is, is a cucumber. Uh, this was also in ancient literature. It was a cucumber that was put in a jar of vinegar. And that jar was sealed up and that cucumber would be baptismoed. It would be fully immersed for a period of time and then they would pull out that cucumber and the cucumber would become a pickle. It would be a pickle. Which made sense to me when I've heard people say, I got pickled in the spirit. <laughs> I was like, what does that mean? That's just weird. No, no, no. Let's get pickled. No, let's not get pickled. Um, anyways, the, 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 the idea of baptism is there's a subject, there's a subject that fully immerses an object into something. And biblically, I find three different baptisms in scripture. So I want to talk about those uh, this morning. The first first one is when you came to the Lord. And I'm going to use the board this morning, so get ready. Um, This is the Holy Spirit. This is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. And I want to pay attention to the structure of this sentence. Um, That's not the right scripture. I think it's verse uh, eight. Let me open up my actual Bible. I did this last night. I meant to change that. Forgive me. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. Thank you. For by one spirit... One spirit, we were all what? What's that word? Baptized into one body. So who is doing the baptizing in this sentence? The Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is baptizing. Let me find. It's been a minute since we've used this. Okay, the Holy Spirit is the subject. And the Holy Spirit is baptizing. And who's the direct direct object? We are. Now there's a preposition here. What's the preposition? We're baptized into one body. Whose body is that? This is the body of Christ. It's Jesus. So the Holy Spirit, does that work? Oh, that's not his name. Oh my goodness, this is going to be a long morning. This was a great idea until I started spelling. Okay. All right, there we go. How's that? All right. 
So the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body. The Holy Spirit baptizes us into Jesus. This is when you came to salvation. The Holy Spirit was the one that initiated the conversation with you. You did not save yourself. The Holy Spirit initiated this with you. He chose you, he convicted you, and he baptized you into Jesus. You were dead in your transgressions. The Holy Spirit, the spirit of life, made your heart new. You were born of the spirit and you were seated in heavenly places in Jesus Christ and you are now a part of the body of Christ. This is really important, it's called regeneration. Jesus was talking to Nicodemus in John chapter three, verse three, and he says, no one can see the kingdom unless he is what? Born again. Put that up, John three, three. No one can see, everyone say see, no one can see the kingdom unless one is born again. This is the work of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit immerses you. The Holy Spirit takes you and baptizes you into Jesus. You are put into Jesus. You were dead. You were separated, and all of a sudden, you're in him. You're hidden in him. This is really good news. So for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Uh, so this is our word, baptism, Holy Spirit, baptizing us into Jesus. Second baptism that I see is found, I would, I would, I would look at Colossians 2.12. Colossians 2.12 talks about a baptism. Colossians 2.12, can you throw that up there? It says, having been buried with him in what? Baptism. Having been buried with him in baptism. So this baptism is a burial in which we are immersed, and this is water baptism into the death of Jesus. Jesus said as he's ascending on the Mount of Olives, the last thing he told his disciples, Matthew 28, verse 19, famous verse, he says, go into all the nations making disciples and baptizing them. Who is he telling? He's telling his disciples to go into the world and baptize who? People. So this is people baptizing people. This is disciples baptizing disciples, and it is a baptism in water. So this is water baptism. I'm gonna use blue here. Look at that. Getting impressed. So guess what? Two weeks ago, we baptized 56 people. Watch this. These waters represent the judgment of God. The waters biblically are judgments. You put your faith in the judgments that came upon Christ. Why? Because he took on the death that we deserve so he could rightly then judge those who are in Christ differently. <laughs> Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin on our behalf that we might become what? The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 
Isn't that beautiful? Romans 6, 4 says, therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may walk in the newness of life. If you were baptized two weeks ago, would you raise your hand? Just wanna celebrate. What's up? Way to go, man. Come on. Beautiful. So this is water baptism. And then, again, wanna emphasize who's doing the subject. Disciples are verb baptizing who? Other disciples in water. The next one. This is the one my daughter pointed out, is that Jesus baptizes. This is mentioned in all four Gospels. And not much made it into all four Gospels. Uh, the synoptic Gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John wrote uh, his letter 70 years after the first three uh, were written. Uh, many new details in the book of John. He, um, he, he gives us the most insight to the first two years of Jesus' life. But even John thought it was important to put this description of the coming one and that he will baptize. So listen to this, Matthew chapter three, verse 11. This is John the Baptist. Also for me, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I. I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Mark 1.8, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Luke 3.16, John responded to them saying, as for me, I baptize you with water, but he is coming who is mightier than I. I am not fit to untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. One more time, John chapter one, verse 33. And I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, he upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining. Very important. The spirit not only descended, but remained upon Jesus. This is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is the subject. He is baptizing, gonna use glory yellow here. And what does Jesus baptize us? In the Holy Spirit. Went wonky color. All right. Can y'all see that? Barely. Well, that's kind of like the Holy Ghost, you know? <laughs> there we go. This is what's going to happen to some of you today. You'll be able to see him in a fresh light. So Jesus, Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. This is very, very biblical this phrase. And look, it doesn't, this isn't the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is up here. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit doing the baptizing is putting us into Jesus. This is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus doing the baptizing and he immerses us into uh, the Holy Spirit. So this is, I think, when I hear the word baptism, I think of these expressions of it. I think of the Holy Spirit baptizing me into Jesus. I think of us baptizing each other into water. And then I also see Jesus baptizing me in the Holy Spirit. Uh, I started to see these uh, three expressions throughout Scripture. In the book of Acts, I saw it in the Gospels, and I also saw it in the Old Testament. One of the places that I mentioned earlier was uh, Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus. When Jesus says, John 3, verse 3, that in order to see the kingdom, one must be what? Born again. 
So this would be salvation. But let's keep reading. Look at this. Nicodemus has a question. How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into the kingdom of God. But Jesus answers him. Listen to this. Here's here's the other two baptisms. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of what? Water. And the spirit. And it moves from seeing the kingdom to what? Entering into the kingdom. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom. First John chapter five, verse seven, speaks of these three words. And it says, for these are the three that testify. First John five, seven, for these are the three that testify. Look at this. The spirit, the water, and the blood. And the three are in agreement. And it testifies to the overcoming power that you have in the Lord. That's John, 1 John chapter 5. It's talking about being an overcomer. So the three are in agreement. The spirit and the water and the blood are in agreement. Um, you, you can see this in the Old Testament. The Old Testament's a prototype. It's, it's shadows of what we have in the new covenant. But I see the Exodus story in this. If you think of the Exodus story, what happened in the Exodus story? Uh, Moses in uh, Exodus chapter 12 was commanded to tell all the Israelites to take one lamb per family. They were to uh, kill that lamb, drain the blood of that lamb into a basin. They would take hyssop and they would apply the blood of the lamb onto their what? Their doors, the doorposts of their home. And what passed by? The angel of death passed by and if there was not blood on your home, your household would die. But this was a form of salvation. It was a form of deliverance by the blood. Now, it didn't stop there because after that, Moses said, pack up your stuff. We're going somewhere. And Moses led them to what? The Red Sea. This is a form of water baptism. Their past was following them. Moses lifts up his staff. The Red Sea parts. They cross the Red Sea. The Egyptians are pursuing them. Once they get to the other side, the waters crash into their past burying it. They're delivered. How did they get delivered? Through water. But it didn't stop there. Their salvation wasn't just to get them out of Egypt into the desert. It was to take them into the promised land. Now the Holy Spirit is there because he was a cloud. One of the descriptions of the Holy Spirit is a cloud. He was a cloud by day, fire by night. They're under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. But in order to get into the promised land, where did they have to go to? They went to the Jordan the river of Jordan. And at the river of Jordan, what was put at the center of the river as they crossed through? It was the Ark of the Covenant. What's the Ark of the Covenant? It's the token symbol for the Holy Spirit resting on the earth and being in their midst. They all had to pass by it. What is it a sign of? It's a sign of the baptism of the Spirit. Paul, I, I didn't see this till this week. I was just looking at the, the various dimensions. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This is Paul writing to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. He says, For I don't want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And look at the three baptisms here. And all were baptized into Moses 
Moses is a prototype of Jesus in the cloud, symbol of the Holy Spirit, and in the sea, it's a symbol of water. All were immersed. Isn't this beautiful? But wait, there's more. John chapter 20, verse 21. Uh, Jesus came to his disciples after being resurrected. This is Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday, he reveals to them his scars, shows them the holes in his hands, the hole in his side, and they came to salvation in this moment. The disciples got born again in John chapter 20, verse 21. So Jesus then releases peace. One of the first marks of your salvation is you receive peace from the Holy Spirit. Amen. You now are at peace with God. This is what took place. I could, I could, I've taught on the heart and how broken the disciples' heart were. Their hearts were healed in John chapter 20, verse 20, when they saw the resurrected Lord, their hearts rejoiced, their hearts were whole. And from this place, look at what he does in verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So this is the initial deposit of the Holy Spirit. This is the seal of the Holy Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit taking residence internally inside of them. And peace, I believe peace is the predominant mark of one that's born again. They have, they're at peace with God. But Jesus didn't stop there. Do you know what Jesus said? He didn't tell them to go and witness. He did tell them to go and witness, but before going and witnessing, he told them something else that was very important. He said, go and wait in the upper room until what? The promise is sent to you. What's the promise? The promise would be the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So Resurrection Sunday... They received the internal dwelling of the Holy Spirit, but it was at Pentecost that they got clothed with the power of the Holy Spirit. This is Acts chapter uh, two, verse one and two. I'm not gonna read it, but that's when, and suddenly a wind blew through the upper room and they were clothed with power. Uh, One of the marks of that is uh, there was a total surrender. I think of the first manifestations of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, Outsiders looking in thought that they were drunk. They were intoxicated. They weren't intoxicated with wine. They were under the power of the Holy Ghost. And it empowered them to witness. It empowered them to proclaim the gospel. Peter, who had denied Jesus. Peter, who was not the man that he was in Acts 2, but when the Holy Spirit came upon him, he was bold. He preaches Joel chapter 2. 3,000 people come to Jesus because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in that moment. So look at what happens. Look at what happens. In Acts chapter 2, these men are cut to the heart, it says, and they have a question. What is it that we should do? What, how do we respond to this? How do we, we're convicted, what do we do? And he says in Acts chapter two, verse 38, and these three baptisms are mentioned in Acts chapter two, verse 38. He says, repent. That's how you're born again. How are you born again? You repent. By the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you repent. You can believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. You're born again. But he says, and each of you be baptized. That's water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. Upon being water baptized, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I think Acts 2.38 is one package. This is one baptism. It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's the baptism of disciples. And it's the baptism of Jesus happening at one time. I think sometimes scientifically, we want to look at these things and try to systematically lay them out. I am not as concerned about when it happens, how it happens, 
if you have it, if you don't. I just wanna put biblical terms before you, and I believe I see the three expressions of one baptism in this verse. They repented, they were water baptized, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And this thread is throughout the book of Acts. Acts chapter eight, verse 14, the gospel goes to Samaria, which is the first time it's preached uh, outside of Jerusalem. In Acts chapter eight, verse 14, now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John who came down and prayed for them that they would receive the Holy Spirit for he had not yet fallen upon them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they began laying hands on them and they were receiving what? The Holy Spirit. Acts chapter, it's, it's, it's in Acts chapter 10, but for time's sake, I'm gonna look at Acts chapter 19, which is one of my favorite examples of this. I find myself in this story. In Acts chapter 18, Paul comes to um, <clears throat> an area where there was a man named Apollos who was a Jew and it was at Ephesus and Apollos had a teaching ministry in Ephesus. And the descriptions in Acts chapter 18, verse 24, if you're taking notes, Acts chapter 18, verse 24, listen to the descriptions of Apollos. Now a Jew named Apollos, an Alexandrian by birth, an eloquent man, an eloquent man came to Ephesus. He was proficient in the scriptures. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, spirit, he was accurately speaking and teaching the things about Jesus. So he was accurately proclaiming the things of Jesus, but only being acquainted with the baptism of John. What's the baptism of John? The baptism of John is a baptism for the forgiveness of sins. This is, this is the gospel that says, pray this prayer, go to heaven. This is like such a transactional there's forgiveness of sins. You can be made right with God. Pray a prayer. Check the box. But they hadn't heard of the Holy Spirit. And so look in Acts chapter 19, verse 1 through 6. Now it happened that while Apollos was away from Ephesus. So Apollos is in Corinth. But guess who visits the harvest field here that Apollos had been teaching and preaching in, Paul does. And so Paul passes to the upper country, he comes to Ephesus, and he found some disciples. These were disciples of Jesus. These were disciples that had learned about Jesus through the teaching of Apollos. And look at this. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, on the contrary, we have not heard there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, well, and..." What then were you baptized into John's baptism? Paul said, John's, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him. That is in Jesus. Verse five, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. Paul said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So this baptism, it, it, is, it is a complete work. Um, you are saved. Holy Spirit baptizes you into Jesus. Water baptism severs your old man, circumcises your heart. And spirit baptism is marked by an empowerment of new life. Again, the distinct mark is power. <clears throat> I want to just answer some questions and then we're going to... One gonna sec. Wow. Siri. Still working. 
Um, I want to answer some questions just really quickly. And then my plan, uh, my plan this morning is just to have some time where we can uh, minister to one another. And I believe that some in this room are going to encounter the Holy Spirit in a fresh way. Um, this, this prayer, uh, Jesus, baptize me in your spirit, is very biblical. Uh, it's something, again, I, I don't, uh, someone asked me this question. They said, is this a one-time thing? I said, no, it's an ongoing thing. But I didn't know I could ask Jesus to do that. I didn't know it was in the field to say, Jesus, baptize me in your spirit. I prayed it this morning before I was coming to preach. I pray it uh, before meetings. I pray, Holy Spirit, just a fresh infilling of your power, a fresh infilling. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Lord, baptize me in your spirit. This is a very biblical prayer. So it is not just a one-time feeling, but uh, I do think there is an initial an initial, you asking the Holy Spirit, you asking Jesus to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 11, uh, Jesus is teaching on prayer and he said, how much more will my father, who is good, you being evil know how to give gifts, how much more will my father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit? He wants to give you the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing, this is what I'm learning, is, is that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, let me, let me, I'm gonna use the board. Watch this. I've lost my pen. Here it is. Think about this for a second. You have the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's a person. Holy Spirit is God. He baptizes you into who? Jesus. Now watch this. Who does Jesus baptize you in? The Holy Spirit. Who's the Holy Spirit reveal? Jesus. Who does Jesus give you? More of the Holy Spirit. Like I think of Ephesians chapter one, Ephesians chapter one, verse 17. It's a prayer that Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus and he said, I pray, Ephesians one, verse 17. Ephesians 1, 17, look at this. He says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, this is the Father of glory, I pray that the Father may give you the Holy Spirit, it's the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus. So Paul is saying, I pray that the Holy Spirit would come to you so that you would get revelation of Jesus. And listen, as you get revelation of Jesus, Jesus says, I'm gonna give you more of the Holy Spirit. And as I give you more of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, I'm gonna give you more revelation of Jesus. And as you get more revelation of Jesus, you get more of the Holy Spirit. You are in this rhythm of relationship with the Godhead. You don't, you don't outgrow this. You are dependent upon the Holy Spirit to know Jesus. And then Jesus says, oh, you think that's good. Let me give you more of the Holy Spirit. And as you get more of the Holy Spirit, he says, oh my gosh, I'm gonna give you more of Jesus. And as you get more of Jesus, you get more of the Holy Spirit. It's this ongoing prayer. It's not just a theological box or experience that you have. It's the knowledge of a man. It's the knowledge of a person. But we are dependent upon him to know him. This is you right here. This is little you. I'm gonna make you purple. This is little you. You're stuck in this cycle of, oh my gosh, I just can't get enough. I can't get enough. I was lost, but then I was found, and I got lost again. Jesus, baptize me in your Holy Spirit. Jesus, baptize me in your Holy Spirit. Do people who have not experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this is, this is something that I think is worth just acknowledging. 
Because what, what tends to happen is you get these hierarchical divisions. You have the haves and have nots. And there's been people that have asked me, well, if I haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, do I not have the Holy Spirit? No, you, you wouldn't know Jesus without the Holy Spirit. He, he's the one that initiated the, the work of salvation in your heart. You do, but there's more. And so 100% you do. But this prayer, Jesus, baptize me in your Holy Spirit, um, it's, in, it's in play. Um, one of the things that, that uh, in, the, in the 1906, when there was the outpouring at Azusa Street, which birthed kind of the Pentecostal charismatic movement of our hour, um, it, this was the, the common experience, is people would come to these gatherings and there would be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and people would get baptized in the Spirit. And one of the initial manifestations that they would have when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit is they would begin praying in tongues. The utterances would come out of their mouth. And I think, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, one of the works of the Holy Spirit is he changes our language. Amen. One of the works of the Holy Spirit, because from the overflow of your heart, you what? Speak. And so the language of the Spirit is important. And I did some extensive teaching on uh, praying in tongues, the difference between the grace to pray in tongues and the gift of tongues. It's another sermon that I would encourage you to listen to. But I think one of the evidences of this is that you get utterances. It affects the way that you communicate to the Lord. And this circumvents your uh, mind. It's 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 a language of the spirit. And I believe some of you are gonna experience that this morning. If you were like me, the one thing I was like, I'll do anything but that. Like, I don't get that. I'll take it all, but that's for them. And yet, getting understanding of this uh, prayer language and, and its effects on my spirit, uh, the way that it builds me up personally, um, I, I, I would not, I, yeah, it's just, it's such a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I believe it's for everyone. I really do. And uh, so you can, you can check out those notes. But, but I think one of the abuses that came out of Azusa Street is it not only became uh, a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, it, it, people started using words like evidence of the Holy Spirit. And it became this have and have not. And I have friends that grew up in Pentecostal circles, which I did not. But in their youth group, they would put them in the middle if they weren't praying in tongues. And they would just start praying, praying, praying. And they're like, just say, ka, 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 ta, 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 ta. You know, like, just like trying to kickstart their engine. And they would fake it just to like get out of the circle. And they felt such pressure. And if you've ever felt that, I just want to apologize. That, that's never, that's not, that's not how the Holy Spirit rolls. And so I want to whet your appetite. You know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he says, eagerly desire these gifts. Eagerly desire them. In the pursuit of love, desire these things. And I think the baptism of the Holy Spirit fits into uh, this thing that we desire. Lord, Lord, clothe me with your power. Lord, fill me fresh and new. Holy Spirit, I welcome you into my life. Uh, one of the prayers, practical things that I, I tell people all the time is to pray this prayer. Pray this prayer. If this is a new topic for you, pray this prayer. Holy Spirit, I want to know you. Just write that one down. Holy Spirit, I want to know you. Jesus, would you baptize me in your spirit? Uh, Worship and praise engage the Holy Spirit. This is Ephesians 1.17, which I just read. Uh, Ask the Holy Spirit questions. Ask the Holy Spirit questions. I love that we sang the song, Holy Spirit. Can Can you guys come back up? We sing that a little bit. Look at those shoes, Oscar. You know, one of the things I ask Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, show me Jesus. 
Uh, Holy Spirit, what, what does Jesus think about me? Holy Spirit, what does Jesus think about my wife? It's a good prayer. Uh, Holy Spirit, do you like that one, babe? Um, <laughs> Holy Spirit, what do you think about people that I'm wrestling with, circumstances? I, I start to engage the Holy Spirit as a person. This tangible understanding, uh, this, this, this understanding of the tangible mark of the Holy Spirit is so, so, so important. Uh, here's some testimonies from, from some people that I asked uh, about their, their encounters with the Holy Spirit. Um, it's a friend of mine who had an encounter with the Holy Spirit when he was in high school. He said, the most pivotal encounter I had regarding the baptism in the Holy Spirit was at a youth group meeting my senior year of high school. There were about 20 of us in a house with a few leaders and one of the youth kids um, felt like he had a tongue for the group and this was a pretty not new concept for everyone. And they shared it and there was an interpretation from the youth pastor and the youth pastor thought that they should simply gather and ask the Holy Spirit to come. And he said, as the Holy Spirit came, I remember having probably the clearest vision picture from the Lord that I've ever had to this day. I saw a picture of a clogged pipe and it had a bunch of debris in it. And I then saw water rush through the pipe and break up all the debris and start flowing through the pipe. I heard the Lord say to my heart, I am cleaning you out so you can be a pure vessel for my spirit to flow through. He says, from that day on, I've never looked at pornography. I was addicted to it from the eighth grade to senior year. The picture of that pipe became a reality. His Holy Spirit cleaned me out and started to flow, which in turn created a hunger for God and a freedom and power to overcome sin. Uh, an elder at our church said in 1994, a dear charismatic Catholic lady asked if I had been prayed for to be baptized in the spirit. I said, no, I'm glad that a, a dear older Catholic lady came to you instead of the man that came to me. Um, said, have you been baptized in the spirit? I said, no, and she asked if she could pray for me. And she did, and I began speaking in tongues immediately. I was at work in Dallas, I began praying, and that familiar flow of the spirit just came, and it was like a peaceful and calming river. I have testimony after testimony of people that just started to ask Jesus to baptize them in the spirit and how there was a distinct mark of power in their life. And so my question to you today is do you need another baptism?